0: Woo-hoo.
1: Bienvenidos a radio menea. I'm Miriam Suela Perez
2: and I'm Bero Valletti Flores, and we are two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week, we bring you music from the
1: Latinx artists that we love, and this week, we have a very special episode about Dominican Dembo with our lovely guest, Jennifer Mota.
3: Hey! Hey! Hey. Bienvenida! Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me here. Oh, my
2: God. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs) Jennifer is a dope writer and um, just an all-around badass. We'll link to all of her information in the show notes, but... um, but first and foremost she is an expert on Dominican Dembo <laughs>
1: hey. so
2: aquí estamos dedicating our episode to um, this amazing genre that doesn't get enough love
3: and thank you for creating a space and to talk about like the genre which is super important so it's really dope of you guys
2: Oh, so. yeah, thank of you. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. So, yeah. we're starting the episode. We're doing a little bit of a timeline. Um Jenny put together a list of songs that sort of give us a little bit of a global picture of the genre and we're starting with um, the first recorded Dominican tempo, right? This is 1993 it's by DJ Boyo. It's called Mujeres Andadoras. Let's take a listen to it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: tell us more about this one jenny so this was super interesting um when i first started writing the article i had no idea who dj boyo was like the the big definitive demo piece that i worked on last january
2: we'll link that in the show notes we'll link all of jenny's amazing work on this because you should be reading it Mm -hmm. so it
3: was super hard in the beginning because there was no accurate like direction. Uh-huh. There was, there had to be like a beginning to this, you know? Right. And after like a time of researching and looking through so many Alofoque videos and mm-hmm. and interviews mm-hmm. and figuring out the time-lapse, er, like all the direction was just pointing towards DJ Boyo. Yeah. So I haunted haunted him down. We literally spoke through WhatsApp for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And that was just like, when I after having that conversation with him was just like okay this this is something bigger and like everything we know about Dembo is not like accurate at all mm-hmm. Um and the fact that, of how he created it, it just shows how there wasn't that many resources mm-hmm. in the Dominican Republic when it yeah. was created you know like he created this manually like literally turning the turntables wow. on his own for three minutes straight. Wow. and just fastening the rhythm to this because he wanted to create something like reggaeton español yeah but for the Dominican audience and he was just like la gente de nosotros somos bien tú sabes corita like we love fast music we love hype mm-hmm. music so i want something that like is representative to my community that people are going to understand to dance to and, you know, in the beginning, which is kind of considered like the messy era, because it wasn't like, it was just him practicing and figuring out how to do yeah, it. Yeah. But that's how Mujeres Andadoras came to be. And it was, um, I believe it was Kuri Ranks, 1991. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's Husemedan, I think. Okay. Um, And he literally just took that track and just started uh-huh. spinning it like really, really quick. And that's when he created Mujeres Andadoras. And... It was really hard for him being the first, you know. Like this is a time where like merengue classico and salsa dominated mm. la capital. Like the capital mm-hmm. was is you know is very symbolic of those music tastes, you know. Yeah. And right. coming from the barrio and trying to go into like certain club spaces, um, people really rejected that music because to them it was just like, "What's this toyo? Like, what is this mess? Yeah. What are you trying to play to me? Play for me?" Um, And it was just very dope to just get that experience, like have him tell me about that experience because for so long, people thought that Dembo just came out of nowhere in the 2000s and it was just us trying to be like Playero, trying to bring Playero back. And it just showcases that he was really in tune with the Jamaican music that was going Uh on and how Uh it was influencing Panamanians. And again, it just goes to show that like immigration and migration and everything has a lot to do with it too because music was being imported in the Dominican Republic both from Panama and Jamaica and he was listening to this music so it was super interesting to know about that.
2: Yeah so for our listeners this is 1993 so we're talking like you know El General is huge we're talking like this is like the Prime era of, like, you know, reggae en español in Panama, and it's hitting across, you know, at least el Caribe, you know, growing up in Venezuela, I, you know, like, it's funny to hear people saying, for example, for reggaeton, like, the history of reggaeton, it's like, remember Panama, it's like, for me, like, I saw that shit happen, so, like, I didn't, you know, in yeah. Venezuela, like, we got el general, we got el chombo, you know, yeah. so, like, I saw, like, I saw it happening, but, um, so you know, for for folks looking for that context, that was the time when, like, at least in El Caribe, like Panama was Panama's like reggae español was like dominating, you know, yeah. and it was influencing everything, you know, including this. It sounds like.
3: Yeah, so it it really risked a lot of, and he mentions that in our interview where it was like, you know, in the early 90s, it was Chombo mm-hmm. and, you know, El General, Nando Boom. I was listening yeah. to all those people, so because we didn't have enough resources, because we didn't have the proper resources, and our music wasn't supported, like, we didn't get the same attention that, right. you know, people next door were right, getting. Right, right.
1: Jennifer, for people who don't like aren't familiar with dembo, like what, um, how would you define the genre? Like, what makes something a dembo?
3: So it's definitely in it definitely uses the dembo rhythm, which it comes from like those Jamaican rhythms and dancehall mm-hmm. rhythms in the early '90s and Shabba Ranks dembo, um, but it's a faster revival. Like dembo music, that rarely falls lower than a 150 BPM, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. really really quick. Um, every time I talk about dembow, I always pretty much explain it as just very happy music. Mm-hmm. And it's something that kind of reminds me of uh, Baltimore Club music from the mm, early 2000s. Like, yeah. it's an experience that you have to really experience on your own in the club. Like, sometimes people will look at a Thimbo through YouTube and be like, what is this? Like, they're not gonna <laughs> right. understand it. And people who are creating dembow now, have said it in the past, like people like Bad Bunny and Jay Balvin had no idea what to do with a dembow. They didn't know like how to create a verse on dembow. They didn't understand it um, when they were asked, like, "Oh, would you ever work on a dembow?" Like, and J Jay Balvin's an an example. He said, "I wouldn't know what to do with a dembow. Like, I don't understand it." And mm-hmm. last, you mm. know, this past fall, yep. eh, que calor comes yeah. out, and it's just yep. like wow, like. You see the improvement, but it also has to do with you actually experiencing the culture, which is why the barrio is a super important aspect of its organic growth and the music, um, especially the culture.
2: Yeah. Got it. And All right, well, let's move on to the next track. <speaking in Spanish>
0: Nos ranqueamos, presentamos, nos vamos Con el equipo, con el chal, a no
2: Tell us about the next song that you have for us.
3: Ah, okay, Los Ando Loco. All right, so this is super important. Um, It's such an important time because after Boyo drops, um, Mujeres Andadoras, him and along with DJ DJ Boyo, they try really hard to create a scene around this music, right? Um again for such a long time it wasn't being supported like dominican hardcore rappers didn't want anything to do mm-hmm. with it um so its own urban community was kind of just like rejecting it and at the same time like they weren't gonna get any radio play because they don't even like the radios didn't even want to play urban music they were right playing right merengue salsa um so DJ Boyo starts to slowly transition into Mambo, which is the urban merengue that was coming up okay, in the in the early 2000s, late 90s. And then, you know, Omega, Omega comes from that mm-hmm. spawn of music. Okay, So a lo- you found a lot of people creating Mambo and kind of just forgetting about them both. But there was a still little group of people, like of artists that were still creating music around this inspiration. Um, lo Ando Loco, Created this track as a diss track specifically against John Distrito. Like, this was meant to just be like, oh, this mm. is a John, like mm-hmm. a, a diss track for you. Like, okay. it wasn't meant to be a track that was created for the barrio or t- as right. a single for them. Like una it was just a tira era. Yeah. And this is happening, you know, it gets thrown out literally as reggaeton is becoming mainstream. So, in all these spaces, Reggaeton is dominating the urban genre, the the Urbano umbrella in general. Like, yeah. Um, this is 2006. Yeah, 2006. So people like Tego Calderon, Don Omar, mm-hmm. Daddy da- da mm-hmm. Yankee, Evie Queen, those are the artists that people were like really playing at the clubs. So for two years, this song, Ando Loco, like was playing in all these clubs and spaces just for two years. Wow. It was like a like hit hot. that, yeah. Like, and it, it made such a huge impact in terms of that, it brought back that sound and it made other people realize, oh, like this is the kind of music we we've been wanting again. Like, um, but also it made people realize that as long as the barrio supports our music, we don't need radio. We don't right. need, you know, these hardcore rappers because the, the barrio fucks with this music. Like if it wasn't for the colmados, the the mm-hmm. grocery stores that exist in DR that yeah. play the music, if it Little wasn't for the stereos come out, yeah. that come along, like in the cars, um, they wouldn't have blown up so quick. And then at the same time, the use of USB um oh, is being right. used. So like things like YouTube um, and USBs, just like transporting music from one person to another also played a huge difference um, in terms of how dembow was being distributed compared to like the early 90s when DJ Boyo had to create the cassettes himself, give them away themselves, invest in money. Whereas here now you could just copy the music yeah. to a CD or a USB and just everyone in El Barrio has it. And El Barrio kept it poppin' for two years. So it brought that sound back, and after that sound, you have people like Secreto Vivero, DJ uh, Pablo Piri, Mr. Mañal, Monkey Black, like all these swarm of people a few years later just creating music on those similar beats. Mm -hmm. So it definitely was like a spark into the early 2000s of like, okay.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating how that technology piece really affects the ways that... Music is
1: able to move. Jenny, I wanted to ask you about like the relationship between Dembo and reggaeton. Like, how do you see those two kind of genres interacting or mixing?
3: Yeah, I almost see it like cousins in a mm-hmm. sense. Like you know, we have like the same bloodline, but we create, but we have like different DNAs. You mm-hmm. know, um, at the end of the day, like we all know where reggaeton and them both come from, right? If it wasn't Mm -hmm. for Jamaicans creating this sound, we wouldn't have had the music we have today. But we've made it our own, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout the years. We've added our own colors, our own influences, and it has a lot to do with our personal cultures um, in the islands, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, And, I mean, I think that one of the really interesting things that sort of we've touched upon... Um, throughout all of this, is sort of, like, the role of, like, class and the class structure in the Dominican Republic and how that impacts the ways that Dumbo is able to, like, come up or not, you know, or when it comes up and when it doesn't, right? So, like, you talked about, like, La Capital and, like, you know, what, que sonaba ya, you know, and that's, like, sort of, like, a class situation happening there, right? Like, what's happening in La Capital versus what's happening, like, maybe, like, in el barrio or whatever and like you know what gets played on the radio and the access to that versus like what gets played like on el colmado because you have a usb so can you say a little bit more about that i'm really interested in it
3: yeah for sure so it's when you think of just like el general urbano and dr as a whole 90 percent of it comes from like barrios in the dominican, dominican republic but in santo domingo like the cap specifically the capital um uh similar to hip hop it it springs from you know kids who don't have anything but their intelligence and their crea- their creativity like they will yeah. find a way
2: and mad hustle
3: mad hustle so it's just like sometimes even the songs the dumbo music that was coming out was noises coming out of their own mouths and turned into beats. Mm. So it was like, all right, we may not have the resources to get a certain sound, but I could create the sound with a pan or like my mouth and we'll record it. We'll probably take, you know, longer time to get it into the system, right. but we'll make it work. So yeah. they found a way to do it. Um, but even within like Urbano, there's just like this hierarchy because hardcore rappers were were working so hard and fighting so hard to create a space for themselves in music mm-hmm. that they felt threatened by this music that just seemed like very messy-like. Mm-hmm. And they felt like, all right, they're gonna make us look bad mm. because they're literally just taking, you know, these samples and just saying anything over it. And we've been fighting so hard for this, you know? So that's one aspect. And then there's also the aspect of just the class that you mentioned in terms of, like, what's getting played on air, you know, the radio play. And in reality, no Urbano. Um, I know for El General, he had an... Like, there was an issue where a certain TV station didn't even want to have him on because they were super anti, like, you know... Urbano music and, like, for example, like the Muevelo Muevelo was just like, oh my god, kids are watching, uh, things like that. <laughs> so it's it's interesting to see, but even since then, like, DR has a huge history of just banning music. Like, when you think of right. Glorys, La Popola, and uh-huh. like uh-huh. all this music that has been <laughs> coming out, uh, they'll, they'll ban it, right? So the few wow. radio stations that can play it, like, that have been able to you know organize themselves as urban radio stations like now they're they were being limited but it brings back the usb and the importance of youtube mm-hmm. when you think of artists in the Dominican Republic and you look at their numbers on youtube it's crazy because people at clubs will play music from youtube like wow. Nothing is being, you know, it's not banned from YouTube, it's yeah. banned from the yeah. government, maybe from certain radio stations, right. but I could still play it in my house, I could still yeah. play it in my car, I could still transfer this music and have my primas and their primas and their grandmoms, madrinas, everybody play it. So it's like the harder the government have tried to push them bull music and any other Urbano song that they feel threatened by, the more popularity it gave it because the body would just still play it. It didn't matter. We
1: definitely were at, when we were in the DR in April, we were at like a house party that ended up on the rooftop yes. of just like, you know, a real like basic apartment building. And it was definitely like a YouTube DJ situation. With <laughs> of bachata, it's, And it was amazing. I was like, I want this playlist. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and it goes back to like that joke. There's this joke that says like, Dominicans love sitting in the sideline watching YouTube <laughs> videos. But it, it's like oh, really a cultural sure. thing though. Like we'll literally mm-hmm. play our YouTube music, like the Andoloco music or the Andoloco song, people don't even know their real names because they wow. made that song and then they kind of just disappeared from yeah. the face of this earth, right? Wow. But that's why I make it, so. it's so important for me to bring up that song because mm-hmm. it brought back a wave of like artists and it, mm. it sparked something in the early 2000s. But people don't even know anything about them. They never did any views. Uh, they had that one performance and it was um, an urban... TV station, of t- urban local TV station, yeah. but they, they didn't have a proper interview either. They just wow. had the song and that's it. But no one knows anything about them. They did the song, uh, pretty much brought the sound back, but no one. Wow. They just disappeared. That's it's crazy.
2: Miles. The next song is an artist that we love, love, love here on the show. <laughs> this is Emilica La Dura and this song is called Dale
4: Ben Ben. La Bloy. le 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 Vale, ven ven, 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 si tú quieres cómeme. El delincuente que me pones de mente. Dale ven ven, si tú quieres Yo sé que yo te gusto, que tú quieres comerme. La más tú tú, ven ven, que yo quiero que tú me rompas. Dame con la vaina que me pone rabiosa. Yo no estoy borracha, pero estoy peligrosa. Esta noche me la paso dando pilas de vol. ¿Sabe qué me pasa cuando papi tú me rozas? Me pongo como el molondrón, un poco babosa. Rosa, rosa me pone loca yo sé que a ti te gusta no me venga con cotó rosa rosa que eso me pone loca rosa rosa que eso me pone loca rosa rosa que eso me pone loca te gusta no me venga con cotó Dale, ben, ben, si tú quieres cogeme, si yo sé que yo te gusto que tú quieres comerme. si tú quieres cogeme, el delincuente que me pone dale, ben, ben, si Yo sé que yo te gusto que tú quieres comerme. Te quiero decir que... Oye, papi, tú a mi me gusta un tro, 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 tro. E que, papi, tú a mi me gusta un tro, tro, tro.
3: Yes. First of all, we have to talk about you know one of the women that were involved, and it's 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 been very few um, to actually gain mainstream yeah. you know success. But Mika was in the was literally involved during the spark of like when Dembo was starting to play in New York and the cities where there was a lot of Dominican Americans, pretty much around. You know, 2010s, those years, DJ Scuff started creating uh, the DJ Scuff Dembo mixes, right? Okay. And one of the verses that popped off, and he would literally just take thembo snippets and sometimes rap mixes, put them on these loops. And Milka's Dalle Vem Ving was one that, like, really, att- you know, resonated with people. Because it's just like, okay, we have a woman out here. So it led people to downloading the original Dalle Vem And it was important because you know she was very outspoken like about what she wanted like it was very clear what she wanted she was like that live in bang like um she spoke about her desires and i think it was very empowering especially just considering the fact of the double morality that the yeah. dominican republic has you know in terms of like what can be expressed what cannot be expressed um and when we think of just like Uh, society, the way society view gender roles and genders um, it can be very silencing sometimes especially for women Um, and the fact that she just like was really didn't care like she didn't care and was very open about what she wanted and what she did was very empowering for other women as well.
1: Yeah this will be the fourth time that we've had her music on Rally Manea so yeah we're big fans so thank you for bringing her back we have not brought this song before
3: No and also, just even being in those production spaces, sometimes mm-hmm. a woman artist could just be seen as a waste of time, sadly. Yeah. Um, and to see any woman thriving in, like, whether it's mambo, a tembo, or hardcore rap, and it also makes you think, like, damn, what did she go through? Like, the type right. of troubles she had to go right. through um, in order to get to a certain space. Ooh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And we brought her to like our fourth episode, which is the reggaeton episode. So, you is she an artist who does both dembo and reggaeton?
3: I think she I consider her just an overall urbano artist cuz mm-hmm. she does. Yeah. She's very multi-genre. Right. Um, um yeah, very she performs like all types of music. When I was first introduced to her, I was introduced to her as an MC like just a yeah. like a rapera, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's beautiful about urbano. What's what's been Kind of like evolving is just that people have been dipping their toes um, mm-hmm. in all these different styles because especially being in El Caribe, like hearing yeah. everything, like how are you not gonna end up doing? Yeah, you know, a song over timbale or like reggaeton. Um, a lot of women, for example, like Melly Mel, she's mm-hmm. super anti Um and. She has that ideology where it's just, like, it's not serious music. It's not something mm. I want to dip into. And, you know, they have their ideologies. But Milka has been able to pretty much shine in all of these sounds.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that happens. It just happens so much with different, like, emerging mm-hmm. genres always where people are, like, sonos en serio. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, and mm-hmm. it's, like... Let me show you. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're gonna take a quick break for um, to talk about our membership program.
1: Um, so y'all know by now that we started a membership program at the end of last year. It's been a really great opportunity to get um, consistent support from y'all to help make this show possible.
2: Yeah, we have several different levels that you can support us at. It means the world that you're listening. It means the world that you share our stuff. And if you can also support us through the membership program, it makes this so much more sustainable for us.
1: Members get access to a members-only feed of the podcast where there's an extra bonus segment on almost every episode. And if you're a member already for this episode, you would be not hearing this ad, and you would get to hear um, an extra segment at the end of this episode Episode with um, Jenny talking about another song um, in the Dominican Dembo genre and also get access to a custom expanded Dominican Dembo playlist that you know you want to have access to. So, take a link, check out the link in the show notes, um, and become a member today.
2: Let's move on to our next track. This one I'm super excited about. This one is by John Distrito featuring La Delphi. It's called Dame Leche. Bublo hoy, Christian Music Que entreguen esa leche Tamo el
0: Cocoro Cocoro, Cocoro, Tam, 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 tamo en Cocoro Cocoro, Cocoro, Cocoro tam, 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 tamo en Cocoro Esa maldita, esa gata, esa condena Ella lo que quiere es que le den por detrás
3: Tell us about this one. So, this one's super important to me. And I think um, it's been overlooked, especially in the Urbano space in DR. But now that we have an emerging stream of um, queer artists doing queer, quote unquote queer Dembo, mm-hmm. um, it's very important to highlight like who opened the doors to that, yeah. um, especially considering the roots of Dembo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Dembo was actually like an actual offensive term used against the queer community mm-hmm. and artists like La Delphi, La Kisti are kind of reclaiming a space that was not meant for them, mm-hmm. that was meant to really ostracize them and that was meant to come at their lifestyle and, you know, their sexual mm-hmm. preferences. And Dame Leche played such an important role because it was kind of just like, all right, I'm here. You can't tell me that I can't sing or can't do this and when you think of when you even look at the video um she's in her drag performance clothing like that was really huge like especially in that time because no the times that you saw people dress that way was as a mock you know Mm -hmm. and when la delphi did that She was so unapologetic about everything and when you look back at even interviews and the type of questions that were asked she carried herself so graciously and she very like you know she was very thoughtful in how she represented the community and how unapologetic she was Mm her story is just so interesting because she was a a performer and she just hosted a a Leche night, right? Yeah. And John Distrito, Mica La Madura, you know, she he was he was cool with Mica La Madura. Um, he John Distrito meets him, sees him as a performer as well as like a host, and see how much talent um she has and realizes like wow you are a star and you need to be heard and I think. Um, if it wasn't for John distrito like pushing her like listen, like we need to get in the studio like this wouldn't have never happened. like he was literally like on her, like we need to create a song, and when you look back at interviews, she mentions like I didn't think he was serious, like a day later, he had me in a studio, and we were literally creating the song, wow. and they created the song in a day, and all of you know I believe it was two thousand twelve. But that whole that whole year, like it was just one of the it was like a big phenomenon. And then at transcending that, she would perform in her in her clothing. Uh-huh. And again, that was something huge yeah. in that space. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it definitely opened the doors for artists like Lakisti and Chakata mm-hmm. and everyone else that is like really highlighted now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's super dope. When we were um, when we were in DR our friend was like, y'all should look up La Delphi, and we're like, oh word, because we didn't. I didn't know who she was before that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, was so dope to us was, you know, realizing that like you know, despite this um, climate of homophobia mm-hmm. and um, general like you know. Danger, to be honest, for Mm -hmm. LGBTQ people and especially trans women um, Mm -hmm. in Latin America. I think um, to see that people that like Urbano artists who aren't known for their great allyship or haven't historically been known for their great allyship to the LGBTQ community to be like. You're dope. You're gonna, you're like, you're a star. You're gonna, like, you know, you're gonna do shit that sells. Like, come on my song. I think that's just like so interesting and wild. And in a way, we think that, like, in the United States, where we're like, you know, quote unquote more advanced on LGBTQ yeah. stuff, you don't see rappers doing that shit, you know? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And it's also interesting to note that like, for example, the first Urbano artist aside from John Distrito to show solidarity mm-hmm. with La Delphi was El Lapis. Like El Lapis is literally mm-hmm. like a pioneer in mm-hmm. hardcore rap and DR. Yeah, yeah. And this man has been super outspoken against Dembo. So for many people, it seemed like such a it, the gesture speaks even louder because this is somebody that's super anti Thembo. Yeah. So to Showcase that solidarity with somebody who's also creating the music that you don't want nothing to do with. Um, was like it showed it was definitely like representative of something bigger, and it was also like kind of how can I explain it? Like it set an example, it definitely Mm. set an example to what society in the Dominican Republic should look like. Mm -hmm. So, Mm
1: -hmm. when did this song come out, Jenny? Do you know
3: 2012,
1: wow. And do you follow Pajarita La Pau, the artist that we got to interview when we were in DR?
3: So I knew of El Palo, and mm-hmm. I was following some of like her interviews with Alo Foque. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically after I wrote my the column piece on Queer Dembo. Like I yeah. I fell in a wormhole of yeah. like yeah. just really following the community. Mm-hmm. Um and she was very young when El Palo came very out. Young. Yeah. Very very young. very, very young. Jenny, what kind of what was music like growing up in your household? Uh it was super eclectic. Um, so my mom was the typical, like, just Latina mom who listened to Ana Gabriela, Amanda Miguel, Jose, <laughs> and I. Like, I knew when she had a problem with my dad, because that type of music <gasps> would play in, my, um, <laughs> in in my house. Um, And so I grew up with that. And then my dad, he learned English through music, but the music that he listened to was like rock, classic rock. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with that as well as like just the Dominican music, bachata, merengue, and then just hip hop and punk, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout my years. But uh, growing up in Philly, like it was very, not many Latinas listened to punk Mm -hmm. and and rock. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I... When I meet Latinas that do here, I feel just so happy and identified, (laughs) and they just be like, "Um, yeah. I mean, it was a regular thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's just yeah. like when you grow up in the hood, like in the hood, they just look I didn't think it was abnormal until my dad came to pick me up from school one day and he's blasting, she pours some sugar on me. And the kids were just like, Jen, what is he playing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like I thought it was so normal. But yeah. I grew up in a very eclectic household. I listened to everything. Um and of course, like once I started getting older, like I was that prima that would like get music from CD like CDs and USB from her cousins mm-hmm. um in DR and like that's how I would be connected to like Dominican music through like those packages. basically it was very driven USB driven um, which was cool
2: yeah awesome Yeah, for sure. I definitely identify with that. Like, you know, you go for the summer, one summer or whatever, you go for like, you know, to visit and then like you bring back all the files, you know, you're just like, okay, this is the thing that I'm bringing back. Cause like, I mean, now like there's, there's all sorts of different like streaming radios and all that stuff. But like at the time I felt like it was like such a, for me when I was like much younger it was just like, okay, like I have to like go and absorb it. I'll see Mm -hmm. what's happening.
3: Bring it back. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: All right, let's move on to the next one. This one, this is like a genre defining goat. I would say, like one of the greatest. Um, this is El Alfa. This song is called Tarzan.
4: Tarzan. Uh, Tarzan. Uh, uh, uh. y se lo traga todo lo que tiene
3: So El Tarzán was an important marker um, throughout this time. Like just to give a little bit context, a little bit of context behind the story, um, El Mayor Clásico, who was also like dominating a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, kills me that couldn't add him. But this song reflects the whole experience. Um, <clears throat> El Mayor Clásico and El Alfa were having like just this kind of like. like they were having like there were huge rivals they were both Mm -hmm. um, considered the top Dimbo artists at the time and they were both trying to be number one Mm -hmm. and of course they started doing diss tracks against each other but what this battle created was that it gave Dimbo more lyrical format Mm. um, in a time where it's like A lot of the music was very repetitive choruses and like just joking around music like music that's literally like what people would say and this time really formatted like a more lyrical structure and it also solidified like lyrical delivery as well as like punchlines um the way they attacked each other so it became more personal it wasn't just oh i'm going to create them bowl for people and for people to have fun now i'm going to create them ball to come at you like mm. so it definitely created a new way of them bowl that had more thought out verses mm-hmm. while also the competitiveness really challenged them to create new sounds. They wanted to create music that wasn't like the music they were creating before or what each other Mm. wasn't. So whoever was working with El Alfa was not allowed to work with El Mayor. And that was just like an unwritten Mm -hmm. rule. Once Bubloy starts working with El Mayor... El Alfa leaves Buloy and goes to Nico Clínico. Nico Clínico is literally like a pioneer in R&B and hip-hop in the Dominican Republic. Okay. He does not do dembo at all, mm-hmm. but he was just like, all right, if I'm going to do a dembo for you, you're going to do music for me too. So okay. he started kind of messing around with hip-hop and El Alfa, right? Uh-huh. Um, and for Tarzan, that's when you start seeing new colors and new sounds like the flute um, mm-hmm. and sounds that were created with the mouth, like mm-hmm. a lot of like, doom, doom. those are yeah, all like yeah. music mm-hmm. that came out from, uh, not music, sounds that came from Nico Clínico and like him messing with the pitch and how high uh-huh. or like how strong it was going to be. Um, and then you see Mayor Clásico go to Nico Clínico and El Alfa go to Child. Because yeah. he just didn't want to work with the same producer right. that El Mayor was working with. Yeah, but El yeah, Mayor yeah. was just like, I see what you're doing, Nico. I want to work with you. Work. And, you know, it's business. They worked yeah. with them regardless. And that's why that's what led El Alfa to Chael. But most importantly, mm-hmm. it also started the radamiento of like... Trap bow and like new sounds because, yeah. um, you know, there's always this discussion of who created trap bow, uh-huh. right? Um, Nico Clinico, along with Light GM, who's also a Dominican producer, has worked with Bad Bunny, worked specifically Latin Trap. Yeah. They started implementing these different styles that yeah. were more hip hop oriented and more trap oriented uh-huh. into them bow, but it was just influence for them. Yeah. Now, Chael also takes these influences. And creates a style that fits him in Alpha. Yeah. And then also gives it a name. Yeah. So yeah. that's how we get to trap bow. And if it wasn't for Darsang, we wouldn't have the new colors that people would implement in Dembo. before Darsang and the songs that were coming out in that era. Mm-hmm. Um because of the the rivalry. We had just, you know, the revival of the Jamaican rhythms. Mm-hmm. But now people are trying to be the the top dog in Dembo. Like we wanna be uncomparable like i want my music to stand out and that that rivalry really created uh, a new a new wave of dembow where it's like it's very experimentive with sounds yeah so it's super important
2: that's so dope that's so interesting how like uh like a rivalry can like really challenge people to yeah. you know make something new so why don't we this brings us a little bit next to the next song this one is a song if you're an og listener and you remember an episode where isabelia herrera came on to talk about music of the dominican republic we brought this song it's the first song i ever heard bad bunny on um, <laughs> this is bad bunny featuring el alfa it's called demagage gigogu
0: Porque doy fuetazo. La gente me dice en Alfa, bárbaras sasazo. Yo soy un Jordan, tú vienes siendo puma. Tienes que quitarte llegó el toro con tu tumba. El que no amaga. Tú me vas a dar y la de tu casa no la paga. En el movimiento soy el más completo. Mi fe no mueve montaña, el país completo. Al lado de mí tú no respiras. Cuando compro un carro con la atrás, usted me tira. Yo soy el hombre que tu mujer ama. Y jugando bolitas, tú eres el que mama. Yo he matado píle, perra, bola. Pa' llegar a 100 millones, nada más me falta una tingola. Lo mío llega por el muelle, por eso estoy fuerte como Popeye. Tengo tigres que si te pasas tú te dan tus reyes. No habito los mismos culo que doro Reyes. Tú no lo que quieres que esta patana te atropelle. Yo soy millonario y canto como José Reyes. A la onda que este pajarito ha llegado lejos. La familia de mi papá son de mal molejo vivo la vida como venga, no me quejo. Y tengo la cabeza sin pelar como un ovejo. Yo soy sí, el es que todas las mujeres se la Cosme. Mi boca ha visto más vulva que la Derica de Cosme. Estoy en la ramada con mi familia mata Esperándote como la Nissan espada Si <risa> no eres un demagogo. <risa>
2: So let's talk about the rise of Trapo.
3: Yes, I think this definitely opened the doors to more collaborations, like the future collaborations Mm -hmm. that we've we've seen in the past. Um... This really solidified like what trap bow was, right? Yeah. Because it's not just them bow. Like it gave it the accurate pauses, so to, in order to highlight the verses. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting, again, like something I mentioned earlier in the in the conversation is that Bad Bunny had was very very uh skeptic about even jumping in this track. He was just like, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what we're trying to do here. Um, but they created the track. And then he visits the Dominican Republic, and he experiences the Dembo movement for himself. Like he's in the club, and he sees it for himself. He experiences, and that's when he realized, all right, I get it now. Like this is Dembo, like, and I credit this as pretty much just like the starter pack of it Being more mundial of it, ca- yeah. you know, catching the eyes of other people, yeah, yeah, because it highlighted it as a more quote unquote serious sound. Um, mm-hmm. and it also catapulted like El Alfa as an artist as well, because this whole time El Alfa is just he, it, he's been working non stop since yeah. the early 2010s. Yeah. Coche Bomba was literally, I believe, 2007. And it's been more than a 10 year process for him just constantly throwing out music. So he's literally been pushing this music and part of the evolution and the implementing of new styles and to create this music. um, It also opened the doors for a new wave of Mm -hmm. people and new listeners. Um, for those that didn't fully understand, like, dembo as just as a whole and dembo, um, the music, it kind of was, like, a little lead-in through trap-bo because it's like, okay, I understand Latin trap, and I'm starting to understand yeah. it and it definitely opened the doors to, like, new listeners. Um, I think a lot of people who are dembo listeners now that are not Dominican, credit, like, Demago get go. Then my Gaga mm-hmm. is one of the first songs that really like, you know, yeah. I, I believe even Lil Pump said it the other day. Like when he was asked about them he was like, Well, I first heard it, you know. <laughs> my first them song was like my Agao. That was my first song that I really liked. Yeah. And it makes sense because he's coming from that realm of, of more Americanized and
2: yeah I mean for me that's definitely how I I mean I listen to Dimbo now and I this is the first like first of all it's like the first I heard of an alpha mm-hmm. like it's like I um, you know and I would this song like popped off here in yeah. the US too like it was like um, you know like I'm not Dominican but um, so for me like this was my introduction and I would hear it like coming out of cars and stuff mm-hmm. you know like I'd hear this song I'd be like oh you know like This is like going somewhere, you know, like, and, um, and yeah, I think it's, it's super, it's, it was definitely that for me personally.
3: I also think it's safe to point out that there's always been like this small rivalry, like that people kind of see on the internet in terms of music or whatever against PR and DR. And it uh-huh. was almost like also like a symbolism of unity. Yeah. Where it was just like, oh snap, like our two favorite artists are collaborating yeah, together, yeah. Um, which was pretty dope as well. And I think that um, the Dominican Republic has always like loved Bad Bunny and have opened their doors. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel that after this, it, like he won the hearts of many people because it's just like, oh, you're embracing our culture.
2: Yeah yeah for sure. i really I really love the Pan Carive love. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: Jenny, how did you get into writing about music? So
3: I've always enjoyed music, fashion, like and just how they all just intersected. it's mm-hmm. It's super crazy how like even your personal style can really just be influenced. By what you listen to. Yeah, for sure. Like I remember sometimes um back in the day, like people would ask me about personal style and like help me and I'll just be like, So what listen what do you listen to? Like what's your music? Yeah. Taste, you know? And then we would go from there because mm-hmm. like it's crazy, you know. If you like a certain band, you're gonna li- you're gonna rock that band tee, right? right? Listen to a certain rapper. But then these subgenres also have certain styles that go. Mm-hmm with the community that follows that music. Mm -hmm. And um, as I started studying journalism, I started building a blog around journalism, not journalism, fashion, music, and just how they kind of intersect with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, 2016 election hit and I became far more political in my writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that blog, the fact that it highlighted so many... Different sections of like what we're experiencing right now kind of landed me the job at People in Espanol. You know the fact that I was creating videos and highlighting people in the music scene in Philadelphia and also talking about negritud um, in Latin America mm-hmm. while also talking about you know my issues with the current um, administration and how things were being represented, uh, having you know, thought out ideas with all these different spaces. Um, Llamo la atención of like people in New York and that's Mm. how I ended up in New York.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah.
2: And so what inspired you to really do this, like a deep dig onto Dimbo?
3: It's so funny because... You know, when you think of People in Espanol, it's like a very entretenimiento. Mm -hmm. Think of novelas. Mm -hmm. um, They do a music post, but it's not like deep in dives. Um, And if it wasn't for people in Espanol culture, I wouldn't have ended up writing this piece, right? So it was like my first week at PESP, or People in Espanol. And, um, you know, I had to create these pitches. So I'm like analyzing, okay, like a lot of these entertainment, like gossip type. Pieces can do really well, right? And Cardi B's and El Alfa's collaboration yes. had just had just dropped, and I was just like, "Oh my God, the internet is not liking this." Yes. <laughs> so I um I pitched, um the me the react a reaction piece about it, uh-huh. and you know, um, my higher up had asked like, "Oh, what's them ball?" And to me, I was just like, uh, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> like, but I'm also coming from a space that's super Caribbean in Philadelphia, so I had to kind of like remind myself, you know, not everyone is gonna know what it is, right. you know. So, but it was like a moment for me, like wow, like and we spoke about it, and we were like, yeah, like um, um, the per my my supervisor told me like yeah, you know, the director really thinks that you should write a piece about it to under you know to explain it you know, for people that don't understand. So yeah. I wrote the El alfa and Cardi B piece. And yeah. from there, I started working on the Dembo piece. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm gonna write a Dembo piece. Yeah. Like, we gonna, we gonna learn about Dembo. Yes. <laughs> so this was literally early November, like the first week of November. And we didn't drop uh, the piece until like January 31st of the mm. year, like the following year. Mm-hmm. Because... I think about like the original draft that I have and it's just completely different. Like mm. if it wasn't for, you know, having the conversations with DJ Boyo, people like Nico Clinico, Child, who who produced the Mami track um and was and is also like El Alfa's main yeah, producer, Chael if it wasn't for having those conversations, yeah. Like I would have had a different outlook in what the genre is and mm-hmm. it was a learning experience for me, but it also made me realize how underrepresented it was in terms of like the music industry yeah. and how little information was out there. Like yeah. there was no set date for the first Dembo who was credited for really pushing this genre. Um what were you know the big moments of this generation mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of things that i had to think about like and it's you know having a first the first queer artist and taking up space in a space that yeah you know that historically was against the community while also analyzing um the political structure in the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. the the class system um as well as how the music has evolved into its own thing and its organic rise. Because I think it's, to me, it's, it's always been important to just point out that if it wasn't for El Barrio, Dumbo wouldn't have gone as far yeah. as it right. did. Because mm. it, it had everything set up against it. Yeah. Um, so let's get to today.
2: Yeah. This is a song that I've been playing a lot lately. I'm really glad that you brought it. <laughs> this is Rochi RD featuring Kiko el Crazy. This is called Trucho. <laughs>
3: represents what the underground scene is right now in the Dominican Republic and it's almost like a counter culture to what Dembo has become Mm. Um, you know with the succession of like El Alfa, Chimbala Lirico en la Casa and Mm -hmm. them pushing barriers uh, it also results in the wiping of like the culture right you can't say certain dominicanismos or phrases or words that we normally say because um they have this idea of being able to sell in all of Latin America. Right. And um I think it's been very it's been it's been historically known to tell like dominican artists not to, to stay away from like dominican lingo in order to mm-hmm. you know to sell mm-hmm. in other spaces. So while their lyrics have become more watered down, we have this rising of a movement in the barrios again,
2: mm-hmm.
3: of el machu- using the proper machuqueo, which is like the original rhythms. Um, mm-hmm. They don't use the colors that have been implemented over the years. Mm-hmm. It's more gritty. Um, they still use hip hop influences, but whereas back in the day, the underground just said anything and would just use repeated lyrics. The underground that's coming up now ha- uses rappers. You know They mm-hmm. use hardcore rap, full verses. Um, they have a, a, a set of structure in terms of what their music is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they implemented dancing again. Dancing played a huge part um, in the rise of Dembo, because if it wasn't for videos of people dancing, mm-hmm. going viral to this okay. music... Um, a lot of songs wouldn't have blown up for example yeah. like conopia by chimbala like these are all songs that influenced both uh the dance styles but also the music and yeah. it, it went hand in hand um and it it was all born in the barrio and now you see a lot of styles coming up in these videos like a new style of dembow that incorporates different styles and with the rise of latin trap and the seriousness of uh of taking the serious uh in terms of creating lyrics and um, making sure that they were being taken seriously, we kind of lost the dance aspect
2: mm-hmm. throughout the years,
3: mm-hmm. and then both bringing that back, but also showcasing more unity with rappers and the sound itself so so everything that then both could have done could have been in the past is what it's becoming now, the incorporation of the dance styles as well as like the rap influences mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It's an embrace. It's pretty much embracing the street codes that are often told, like you can't use, right. and words were always used, and were always made famous in music. For example, like rulai mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. things like that were always highlighted in our music. And then when you have a genre that's changing, the body of fights back, and yeah. that's kind of like their way of fighting back.
2: Word, word. That's awesome. Um, I've been really feeling Kiko el crazy. I One question that I have for you is, mm-hmm. what does Pampara
3: mean? Oh, Pampara, <laughs> Pampara. is literally, okay, so Pampara, Pampara, Pampara is literally yeah, I, la vaina. La vaina. Yo, She's it's like, like it's so funny because trucho means rulai five times. So rulai means when you're feeling wavy, like, oh, I'm feeling mm-hmm. rulai, or like, oh, you look rulai, like you look fresh, right? Yeah. But. They wanted a new one, like they created a new one where it's mm-hmm. like, or oh, you trucho, tu estás trucho, like you're a t- rule times five, like it's, it's, next a, nev- it's a next level. <laughs> and then La Pampara is literally, ever place is La Vaina, which is Got like, yo it. tengo La Pampara prendida, or nice, I have, it's nice. a La Pampara, La Pampara esa, like. Yeah, so it's super yeah. interesting. Um, to see that
2: that's so funny yeah because i like i'll be playing kiko el crazy and i was like yeah la and i was like, I don't know what that shit means <laughs> so it's like vaina <coughs> got it got yeah. it vaina vaina lo entiendo we have that in <laughs> venezuela <laughs> <laughs> that's super super dope
1: so um, jenny you introduced rochi herede to our listeners in the journalist picks episode you sent in a great voice memo and we talked a little about how he'd had like a bad Car accident. Have you heard anything about how he's doing?
3: Oh, he's doing. He's doing way better. Um, Actually, Mike Towers visited him after finding out that he had the car accident, and they worked on a song. Oh, he came out on on a remix. (laughs) Yeah, like literally shot the video while he was in studio. Like it was just. It's super interesting to see like how many artists have also shown solidarity with Roche, um specifically because he had his beef with Kiko Crazy with mm-hmm. El Alfa and everyone you know put that aside just to know support if he was him. fine you know and yeah. support him so That's i sweet. feel like a lot of great music is going to come out of his accident ironically yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> ironically <laughs> um yeah. a lot of a lot of collaborations God damn. La vida yeah. te da sorpresas. Sorpresas mm-hmm. te da la vida.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. That's, that's really super dope. You know, Jenny, thank you so much. This has been so instructive for me. I've mm-hmm. learned so much today. And I think that, you know... There's not enough media, I think, on Dembo and on mm-hmm. like that really focuses on like the ways that, and, like the, the histories of these genres. So, uh, thank you for doing this work and for bringing it to us.
3: Thank you guys for having me again. And honestly, I'm grateful for having spaces like this mm-hmm. um, because no one highlights it as much as they should. And I'm very happy to see, you know, Latinekis highlighting it because. Dembo, at this point, it's just it's become our music, everyone's music. Mm. um, it's something that a lot of people are enjoying, and I'm glad to see music that brings so much happiness in my country bring happiness in other countries and other movements. So I'm excited for this year. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and you know, like, as it goes global, there's always, like, you know, the chance for things to, Mm -hmm. you know, before um, we were on the show, Jenny and I were talking about how it's sort of, like, popping off in all sorts of different countries, including in Spain, and there's this whole, like, movimiento in Spain, so it's just, like, Mm. you know, as it starts going global and popping off in different places, it's so important to keep um, in mind, you know, the history of where it came from. And the mm-hmm. artists that I've
3: been pushing for for a really long time, if we're going to support artists in other countries, we also should support those that are coming from, you know, the movement itself.
2: Yeah, and who built this shit with their bare hands, you
3: know? It's like... Literally, yeah. <laughs> their mm-hmm. bare hands. Yeah, like, <laughs> Still
1: spinning. <that> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you are amazing. And you know so much. I'm really... Um, excited to keep following what you come up with and the writing that you're working on.
3: Oh, thanks! And you two are amazing as well for having this again. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you.
2: As always, all of the information from all of the songs that we included today and also to uh, Jenny's work is going to be in the show notes. So if you are looking for the piece that she, that <laughs> definitive piece that she did on, on Dominican Tempo, her new column over at we will have all that linked um, with all of, the, all of the songs that we talked about.
1: Um, as always, make sure you're watching, following us on social media Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We also have a newsletter, so go check that out.
2: Thanks again, Jenny. Really Thank appreciate you. having you here. Bye.
0: Hey. Thank <laughs> you.
2: Hasta la próxima, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh. Oh.